Well, unless you're somebody like the Vietnam vet that I got uh, unexpectedly uh, the surprise and blessing of getting to have breakfast with him this past Friday, unless you're like a man like him who saw the worst that war has to offer, unless you're a man like him who came home only to be spit on because he served our country in that war, unless you're a man like him who not only found that kind of hatred when he came back, but even another level of hatred simply because of the color of his skin. And I didn't know who he was, but I was in my greasy spoon Friday morning, which is a tradition I try to keep. And I got to invite him to come sit down. He was waiting on his food to go because he's the caregiver for his wife. And he comes in every morning to get breakfast to take home so he can feed his wife. Uh, unless you're somebody like that, and it's very possible that you may be somebody here today that you have been through it. But I'm not one of those people. It, and unless you're somebody like that, then I think we could probably say these are some of the hardest days that we as a society and we as a church family have ever experienced in our lives. I honestly don't remember a more difficult time in my life. I, I am blessed uh, to have lived in a very unique time. The experience of most of human history is challenges and difficulties and death and wars and plague and so forth. And I was born into a time and into a place that is rich with blessings where every day was better than the day before. I, I'm, I'm from a time and a society where everything is new and improved, right? Constantly all the time, and suddenly that doesn't seem to be the world that I'm living in anymore. We're constantly swamped with COVID and quarantines and important moments that are canceled, weddings and birthday parties and the such. Momentous moments have been blunted. Our celebrations have been blunted time and time again over the last 18 months. And of course, the constant concern that weighs so heavy on us for our families and for our friends, some who right now are sick and hospitalized and some who have even passed away. And y'all know as well as I do, with that brings this gnawing and oppressive paranoia does for me at least, and I'm a pretty uh, go-get-it sort of person, but it weighs on as heavy, doesn't it? Who's next? Will it be my spouse next? Will it be my kids next? Will it be me next? And then there's this whole vaccine issue. It's saving lives. It's helping people. But should I take it, Pastor? Here's my situation. Here's my age. Here's my family. I, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with this. And oh, wait, I'm going to lose my job if I don't. And I don't know how I'm going to provide. And, and these are the conversations, right? And then I, we, we, we feel guilty if we do this. We feel guilty if we don't do that. We feel guilty if we say this. We feel, feel guilty if we don't say that. Is this where y'all are living right now? Me too. 
that occupies us all the time. All the time. Like you, this is how most of my days are spent. It's 45 minutes on the phone because somebody wants to reach out to pastor to try to figure out what they need to do. It's sitting in my office with a little boy who's crying because he misses his mom and dad and who are in the hospital. It's the growing calls about pastor I have a piece of paper. Would you help me with a religious exemption? They didn't cover that in Bible college, y'all. There wasn't a class on that. And on and on and on it goes. And, and, and that was just Thursday afternoon. And then we feel bad about thinking about ourselves so much when we think about the thousands of people in Haiti that are dead. People who had nothing to begin with, and then they're hit with a 7.2 earthquake and it makes no sense and then there's Afghanistan and the awful things that we've already seen coming out of there and I know if you're the least bit smart you're bracing because there's probably going to be a lot more awful things that we're going to see coming out of there in the days to come as we were singing, I was thinking about believers in the Lord Jesus in Afghanistan today. So many lives are in danger. <laughs> and we've just equipped a terrorist organization with a military arsenal that most of the nations of the world have never dreamed of. And it's just becoming a real challenge to be optimistic about this country and about this world and about our future and whatever happened to the new and improved society that we used to live in. Maybe it never was so new. Maybe it never was so improved. And then we don't know who to believe, right? Don't know who to listen to. D don't know where the truth is, and it's hard to tell the truth from... The untruths. And then there's just all the arguing and all the division that has affected friendships and has affected families. And oh, by the way, let's not forget this. We're all just trying to pay our bills and to raise our children in such a way that maybe they don't become felons. Just the daily pressures of life, work demands and Staying up to get the homework done that your child conveniently forgot to tell you about that he knew about for a week, but now it's hours before and it goes on and on and on. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just assuming that you're this way, but it seems for me and the people I talk to, everybody's really, really tired. Mentally and emotionally and physically. We're discouraged and we're afraid. We're angry. We're sad. I think most of all, we're just constantly tense and uptight because we're bracing for whatever's coming next, the next phone call, the next text message, the next report that we hear. So everybody's looking at me going, well, pastor, what do we do? 
Well, there's a lot of things I could say, but I'm just going to say this one today. Read the Psalms. Now, some of you are thinking that seems so irrelevant, Pastor, because the Psalms are these songs of praise. And to be honest with you, I'm not really feeling that that would be authentic for me today to just be reading and singing songs of praise because I feel like I'm sort of hanging by a thread right now with everything that's happening in my world. Well, that's why I'm telling you to read, read the Psalms. Because it may shock you today to actually find out just how much negative is in the Psalms. It's odd to a lot of us because some of us grew up in the TV preacher age where we've been inundated with this idea that you're not supposed to think negative thoughts. You're not supposed to say negative things. Like we are just completely barred from anything that is considered to be negative. But here's what's crazy. The Psalms are filled with complaints. They're filled with people voicing their anxieties and their fears and their frustrations. And they're directing all of that, if you want to call it negative stuff, but they're directing all of that to the throne of God. This type of psalm is called lament. And depending on who's doing the counting, it's estimated that there's at least 67 psalms of lament in that book of the Bible. More of that type of psalm than any other, more than psalms of praise or psalms of thanksgiving. These psalms of lament, written by human beings, each one living at a difficult time in human history. Each one facing their own sets of problems, but crying out to God in their honesty and in their authenticity. Here's what a lament is, if you want a definition just to write down. It's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. It's passionate. You feel it in your gut. And you're passionately expressing that grief, that sorrow. They're also known as psalms of complaint or protest. And they're not limited to the psalms, to that book in the Bible, by the way. There's a whole book that that's all it is. Lament, patience. That's what the whole book of Lamentations is. It's just one long lament. One long passionate expression of grief or sorrow. See, these laments are cries of despair and anger and protest and doubt. And they're not something that the Spirit of God was ashamed to put in the Bible. They're not something that the people of God were ashamed to vocalize. Strikes us as a little weird because we are Christians who've lived at a time when we're supposed to always look good. Like we've always got it together. We, we've all kind of existed in a time in Christianity where it's just all about feeling all the feel-good feels. And sometimes that leaves us not really knowing how to navigate the, the hard stuff in life. But lamenting was a normal part of Israel's praise and worship. And that's what the Psalms are all about. Here's what D.A. Carson says. Listen to this. He says, There is no attempt in Scripture to whitewash the anguish of God's people when they undergo suffering. They argue with God. They complain to God. They weep before God. Theirs is not a faith that leads to dry-eyed stoicism, but to a faith so robust it wrestles with God. Ask Job about that, right? Anybody familiar with Job? 
calamity strikes, a dream is shattered, a life is lost, a love is gone, and you feel in your gut the worst that can be experienced in life. And your attention on God and your affection toward God just gets all messed up. Attention on him and affection for him just gets so disoriented. And the worst thing you could do when your attention and affection toward God is disoriented, the worst thing you could do is fake it. The worst thing you could do is just smile and say, I'm good. The best thing you can do is to be honest with God. Job did that. He was honest with God. You know what he got? He got to know God far better than he had ever known God before. He got a view of him that he had never had before. God didn't give Job an explanation. Job brought all of his whys to God, and God did not give Job an explanation. How many of you have been bringing some whys to God? Probably more than we ever have before. And God didn't give Job answers to his whys. God gave Job something far, far better. He gave Job himself. Not explanations, but he gave Job revelation of who God is. And many of you today might not feel the freedom to admit it, although I hope before our time together is over that you will. But you've been going around quietly, singing, so low that nobody can hear you, songs of lament. They're in your heart and they're in your mind because at least for now you can't stop thinking about that stuff. You can't stop thinking about everything going on in our world and in your life. In particular, L- let me just say, if you just sort of feel like today, I can't, it's just constant. What is wrong with me? There is nothing wrong with you. You're a human being. Welcome to planet Earth. It's nothing new for us as people. But here's what I want to say today. If those are the songs that you're singing beneath your breath, today, Do yourself a favor and sing them loud enough for God to hear them. Because to tell you the truth, he's already heard them anyway. You cannot sing so quietly that he cannot hear. So you may as well today get honest and just shout to the Lord and call out to him and cry out to him. Pour your heart out to him in honesty today because here's good news. He cares and he's big enough to handle it. Let me give you an example of a psalm of lament. It's the sixth psalm. Just listen to this. Oh, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I'm weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O oh Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes worn out because of all my enemies. 
Go away, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. May all my enemies be disgraced and terrified. May they suddenly turn back in shame. We could look at a lot of psalms of lament today. We could read the whole book of Lamentations. We don't have time to do that. But, but let me tell you this morning a few things about lament. All right, note takers number one. Here we go. Lament is not a form of blaming God. It's an expression of belief in God. It's not a form of blaming God. Lament is a form of believing God. It's how we express that we do believe Him. Listen, let me be clear. Let's not confuse complaining and lamenting. Two different things. When we are lamenting to God, we are not complaining to God about God, and we are not accusing God of wrongdoing. That is not what lament is. Lament is not blaming. It is believing God. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they often complained. They often brought accusations against God. There was no food. There was no water, and they complain and they accuse God they said of God they literally said this of God he brought us here to kill us think about that they they accused God of being some type of demented God who would take joy in delivering his people only to slay them in the wilderness this is where they're Mind went. They assumed the worst about God. The truth was, and see, here's what happens is, don't trust your heart. Don't trust those emotions. They're good. God gave them to us, but we've got to know the truth. And they lost sense of the truth of God. The truth is, God had delivered them from slavery after nearly 500 years. God had parted the sea for them. He had delivered them from the genocidal baby-killing Pharaoh. He did all of this for them, and yet they would accuse him of being this cruel monster. They were complaining, they were accusing, they were, in a sense, what they were doing is putting God on trial of wrongdoing, malicious wrongdoing. That's not lament, that's sinful complaining, is what that is. But in the Psalms, we hear people lamenting. We hear people crying out to God. Why? Because they believe the truth about God. You see, that's what lament is. It's not blaming God. It's believing God. They lamented because they believe the truth of who God is. They are believing that he's a God of love, that he's for his people, not against his people. That he is good and he is kind and he is compassionate and he is justice and he is righteousness and he is faithfulness and he keeps his covenant with his people even when they turn from him. And they lament because it doesn't make sense. Stay with me. They lament because it doesn't make sense that they know and they believe the truth about who God is, and yet they find themselves in such a hard place. Isn't that why we lament? 
Because we believe God is who he says he is. We believe that he is good and we believe that he is sovereign and we believe that he is able and we believe that nothing is too difficult, but yet we feel like we are sizzling in the frying pan of life, don't we? We don't understand. And so we lament, we cry out in our confusion to God, but not because we're questioning his character. That's not it. We cry out to him because we're confident in his character. I'm confident you are this way, so why is it this way right now? I'm confident you're a God like this, so I'm confused. See, it's not that I don't believe. Quite the contrary, it's that I do. In this way, our lamentations actually bring glory to God, don't they? He's honored. Because we know he is who he says he is. And we're not wavering from that. So here's what we're saying. Lament, number one, it's not a form of blaming God. It's a form of believing God. Number two, lament is not expressed because God is far from us. Lament is expressed because God is father to us. We are crying out to God not because we think him to be far away, we are crying out to God because we know him to be father to us. When the psalmist lament to God, it's not to get a God that they think is far away to just sort of barely hear them and move in their direction. No, they are lamenting to a God that they know is as close as their next breath. That's not how it was for the prophets of Baal. Remember that story of Elijah and they're on top of Mount Carmel? The prophets of Baal, they believed that Baal was this God that was so far away, so cold and so cool and so aloof and indifferent to his people. And so in that showdown on the top of Mount Carmel, you know what, what, what the prophets of Baal are doing? They're shouting. They're screaming. They're cutting themselves they're doing everything they can think of to do to try to get their God that they think is far away to turn his ear toward them. And Elijah's a little funny like this. He kind of makes fun of them a little bit. I don't know if you remember that. You know, he goes, hey, uh, hey, fellas, maybe your God's in the bathroom. If you haven't read that in a while, you ought to go read it. What, what, what's going on? He's not, maybe he's too far away. He can't hear you and... Then it became Elijah's turn. And they soaked down the altar, did everything they could do to just make it as difficult for God as if that could be done, right? And then you know what Elijah did? He spoke to God as if God was right next to him. Because he was. And the fire fell. When Kalia, our seven-year-old daughter, every morning wakes up and runs downstairs, she doesn't run down the stairs and open the front door and run up our driveway and run across the street and knock on the neighbor's door to get her breakfast. She comes running down the stairs every morning and boldly comes running into mama and daddy's room asking her daddy to get her breakfast. 
She does that because she knows her father is not far. He is the father and he hears her cries. When she's hurting, when she's hungry, she knows where I am and she knows who to call out to. And so it is with God. And this is why we lament, not because we think he's far and we got to twist his arm into paying attention to us. No, quite the opposite. We cry out to God because we know he is father and he is as near as our next breath. I've heard these sad stories of orphanages and places around the world filled with babies and it's quiet in those orphanages, eerily, hauntingly quiet. The babies don't cry, not because they don't need anything, but because they have learned my cries don't matter. Nobody responds, but we, we lament to God. Because he does respond. And we know he does. And we know he cares. And we know he's kind. And we know he's compassionate. And that's what lament is. You with me? Number one, lament's not a form of blaming God. It's a form of believing God. Number two, lament's not expressed because God is far from us, but because God is father to us. Number three, lament is not only about expressing my own suffering, but it's also a way to enter into the sufferings of others. Let me, let me say that one again. You, you need to get this down, okay? Lament. And, and those of you that I don't see taking notes, I just assume that you go back and you watch this later and you write this stuff down, right? That's what you do. Tell me, Pastor, that's what I do. I, I go back later and I write it down, right? Because I'm going to want to remember it. I'm going to want to share it, right? That's what y'all doing, right? Everybody say amen. You're like, I don't want to lie in church, pastor. All right, well, let me just boost you a little bit. Come on, come on. Let's get this stuff down, all right? Why would you, if the Lord is saying something that's beneficial to you from his word through me, why are you going to let that stop at you? I'm just asking. Please don't do that. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm not here so you simply get what you need God has put pastors in place to give the sheep what they need so the sheep go out and share with others what they need also. You are his ambassadors, not just me. You're his people. You're his missionaries, all right? All right. Now somebody's going, I should have brought a pen. Get your phone out, all right? Put it in your notes, whatever. Just don't, talk, don't, don't dictate it into Siri. That'll mess me up, all right? <laughs> Let me read the third one again. What lament is not. Lament is not only about expressing my own suffering. It is also a way to enter into the sufferings of other people. See, it's not all about me or you. And when we read the Psalms, we're reminded there are Psalms of praise. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And there's Psalms of thanksgiving. And there's these Psalms of lament. And here's the deal. Listen, they are not there for you and I as if we are scrolling through Netflix to find the one that we're in the mood for. They're not there for us to scroll through and find the one that is relevant to where I am in this specific moment in my own life. That's not why they're there. Each kind of psalm is an opportunity for me to join my brothers and sisters in Christ with where they may be in that moment. 
I might be in a place of lament. But I read a, a psalm of celebration. And it reminds me, while I may be lamenting, I have brothers and sisters today who are rejoicing. And God has called us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And so for a moment, at least, I get to lay my lamenting aside and I get to enter now into the celebration of my brothers and sisters. Make sense? But sometimes I'm celebrating. And maybe that's where you are today. And maybe as I set this sermon up and I'm painting a picture of just how dark it is right now, maybe you're sitting there going, I'm, I'm not, for me it's been awesome, fantastic, wonderful week. That is great. Praise the Lord for that. Me too, honestly, with all the hard stuff, I would say great week. Great, right? We can do that. But I can be in that place of celebration and God brings me to a psalm of lament. And now that becomes an opportunity for me to enter into the lamenting of my brothers and sisters too. That for a moment my heart and my mind is not revolving about me and my situation. But I am reminded, reminded that I have brothers and sisters in the family of God that are weeping today. They're grieving today. I may be celebrating, but that psalm of lament reminds me that I've got brothers and sisters who are hiding from the Taliban today. In Africa, I have brothers and sisters who are fearful for their lives because of Boko Haram. I may be celebrating today, but as I enter into a psalm of lament, I'm reminded that I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are quarantining again. I'm reminded that I have brothers and sisters who are hospitalized. That I have brothers and sisters who have family members on a ventilator. I'm reminded that I have brothers and sisters who are still trying to figure out how to survive when they had nothing, but their nothing was crushed beneath the weight of a 7.2 earthquake. Are we not... To lament for them? Are we not to lament for each other? Are we not to celebrate with each other? Yes, we are. Wednesday was one of uh, just a blessing to me. I know sometimes y'all caught these really bad glimpses of me being angry and frustrated and uptight through this whole thing. Sorry, I've never done this before. And part of that is just, I have a desire to serve the Lord. It's been painful not to be able to go to hospitals. Ask Pastor Rick. The man lives and breathes to go to hospitals and visit people. He's good at it, and I like it too. And he got jealous of me Wednesday because the Mizells, Jenny called me and she said, because Brian's been on a ventilator, you know, and she said, hey, they're going to let me come in today. And they said they'd let you come in today, but we can't be in there together. Cool, that's fine. I'm pumped. That's a privilege, man, to get to go do that. And, and so I, I go to the front desk. I want to do everything right, you know. I'm not, I want to be, because I respect what's going on in those places. And the lady just said, yeah, I see you. Told me where. Cool. Good. And just went in and. 
Jenny was in there, and the nurse came in, and she let us both stay in there. She was so kind and nice, and I, I, I inquired about how the nurse was doing, you know. So many people are praying for you. I'm praying for you. Can't imagine what this is like for y'all. And, and, and then I asked about Randall's mom and Miss Susan. I said, hey, she's on this floor, too. Uh, and she said, yeah, I'll tell you the room number. I'm like, thank you, Lord. This is awesome. And I got to go down, and of course, Miss Susan at that time was still in the ventilator. Not anymore, right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But that morning, she was still in the ventilator, and I just got to go in and just pray over her. And her nurse came in, just got to fellowship and try to encourage her a little bit. You know, I'm like, come on. You know, that's, that's, I mean, me and Rick, it's been suffocating, to say the least, where we've been lately. And then I thought, I wonder if I could see my friends Lee and Kim. They're up on the COVID floor. Because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I had COVID recently, so I'm feeling pretty bulletproof right now, you know. I'm like king of antibodies right now, you know, so whatever. Of course, I've been on COVID floors before I ever had it, so, you know, I, like many people, you, what God's called me to do. So you, when you get that opportunity, you go. And so the Lord blessed, and he allowed that. And gracious people that are working so hard in those places and got to spend a lot of time with Lee and Kim too and started to pray with them. It was one thing to pray with Brian who was on the ventilator and to pray with Susan who's on the ventilator. They can't really interact with me a whole lot but with Lee and Kim we got to talk, you know, we got to fellowship and you could feel the weight and the emotion of everything that's going on. And so I started praying with them and maybe you got a couple of words out and here comes the heart water, you know, just bawling my eyes out. Because I think there was a whole lot of pent-up lament in me. And I, I got to enter into somebody else's time of lamenting. I mean, I was about to walk out of the hospital, you know. Everybody in my house is good. But for a moment, God allowed me the privilege setting aside my rejoicing and identifying with somebody in their time of lamenting. See, lament is not only for us when we're suffering. It's an opportunity for us to identify with others in their suffering. It's good, and it's right, and it's God-honoring. When my brothers and sisters' trials and tribulations and experiences are the theme of my prayers, that my prayers aren't only about my trials and my tribulations and my experiences. It is good and right and God-honoring when my prayers reflect their struggles. Isn't that what Jesus is doing right now? He's praying for us right now. Our trials, our temptations, our tribulations, our sufferings are the theme of Jesus' prayer right now at the right hand of God. He's praying for us. Let me say this. Maybe, and I got this on my notes. I'm going to say it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to make sure I get it right because it's good. Note takers, get it down. Share it on social media because we got some slackers in the room. They just thought they was coming in and get a word for themselves. This ain't about us, y'all. This ain't about us. Your missionaries, your ambassadors, come in here ready to roll. All right, let's go. Maybe we're never more like Jesus than when we petition him with our lamentations on behalf of somebody else. Maybe we are never more like Jesus than, we, than when we petition him with our lamentations on behalf of somebody else. 
Make sense? What, what have we said? One, lament is not a form of blaming God. It's a form of believing God. Two, lament is not expressed because God is far from us, but because God is Father to us. Number three, lament is not only about expressing my own suffering, but it's also a way to enter into the suffering of others. So here, we're going to pause for a moment. And just what I needed to do in that hospital room the other day, just to kind of pour it out and cry out to God. Well, God, I'm hurting. Because they need to be home with Caden. And God, I'm hurting because Susan's been up here a really long time. And her family needs to see her eyeballs and they need to hear her voice. And Jenny needs to know that Brian's going to be okay. And his kids need him home. And Grace, Graham, she needs to be home taking care of Chris, God knows Chris is like me. He needs all the help he can get. And Brody, being in 10th grade, needs his mom. And I was thinking about veterans and what a horrible week they're having. And I've been trying to check on some of y'all and make sure you're okay. And our friends in Afghanistan and in Haiti and all around the world. And, and just the stuff that we know is going on in people's lives. Friends whose marriage has ended this week. It's just one thing after another after another. And today, this moment would be just a really good time, I think, for us to do something maybe we just really need to do. And that is to spend a moment just lamenting, all right? Just crying out to God. God, we're not blaming you. We believe you. And God, we are hurting, not because we think you are far from us, but because you are Father to us. And it doesn't make sense, but we will continue to look to you. We will not run across the street to look to another. You are our Father, and you alone. And no matter where you may be today, what kind of psalm you might choose for yourself, maybe today you would think outside of yourself and think of another. And cry out to the Lord on their behalf. I haven't prepared what this moment's going to look like. It's going to look like whatever you make it look like. But we're just going to have three or four minutes of just coming before the Lord, just crying out to the Lord. You may stand and do that. You may come to this altar and cry out to the Lord. You may know somebody that you just need to go to. Maybe they don't want close contact right now, but maybe you stand 10 feet away and you just intercede for them. Or maybe you know they're a hugger and it's just time you go and say, I just want to stand here and I want to enter into what's going on in your world. I'm going to pray with you. All right? But God, here we go. We're not used to this. We're not used to lament. We're rarely, seldom given permission just to be this raw before you. But you call us to this. You invite us to this. Why would you make yourself our father and say we got to be fake? Why would Jesus die on the cross for us to live lives that are inauthentic before you? The veil being torn wasn't just a, a doctrinal move that you made that Atonement has happened and we can be reconciled to God. It was an invitation to come just as we are into the Holy of Holies. And so we do that now, God. You hear our cries and we want to call out to you today. We need to call out to you today.
not blaming God, but believing God. We know He is not far. He is farther. We count it a privilege to set aside our psalm of choice and to enter into the psalm that our brothers and sisters may have found thrust upon them today. Look up here real quick. I want to tell you one last thing about lament. Number four, note takers. Lament will not be how we pray forever because our king is coming to make all things new. Lament is not going to be how we pray forever because our king is soon coming to make all things new. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. Really, in the grand scheme of eternity, they're just small. And they won't last very long, he says. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see... They'll last forever. I'm changing the order of how Craig Rochelle said it this week, but here it is. He said, when you're ready to quit, try to remember it takes a trial to have a testimony. It takes a struggle to have a story worth telling. It takes a hurt to have a healing. It takes pain to have progress. It takes a death to have resurrection. You know, Jesus died on Friday, didn't he? What a bad day that was. But he rose on Sunday. And right now, we're living in a Friday. But if I can borrow from old Reverend Hill, can I say this? While we may be living in a Friday today, church, Sunday is coming. Amen. 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 Sunday is coming. We will not lament much longer. We must learn to lament better now, but we will not lament for long. Because he's coming, and he's coming soon. Let's stand, church. Save children's moment for the end. Somebody sent me this this week, and man, as a dad, I needed to hear this. Hey, I want you to, Simon says, stand up. Simon says, turn around, look at them. All right. Simon says, don't trip your sister. All right. Mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, friends, people that teach these kids and love these kids or got kids that you own someplace else today. I think a youth pastor in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we're kind of partial to Fayetteville, Arkansas, he he wrote this recently. I was going to share it. We're going to close with this. When I close with this, don't get up and start going out because they need to get back and find their mom and daddy. And if all of y'all are running to the doors, it's going to make life hard, all right? So let me just go ahead and say that straight up. I know y'all are going to run out of here and go to Bible study, right? 
too early to eat lunch. You may as well go to Bible study. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they're growing, they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and he called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. And he knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Raise the Daniels, the Davids, the Esthers, and Peters. God isn't scratching his head, wondering what he's going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army that he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear steal the greatness that God has placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them is anything besides our sweet little babies and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them but they were born for such a time as this and all God's people said amen run out to your mamas and daddies let's go let's go church let's get it done and go home amen come on have a great day everybody God bless you